This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. I had to hear, I got to read this quote from J.D. Davis. It's this guy. J.D. Davis. I haven't been in the clubhouse, and I haven't talked to that many guys over there, but there's a sense of, I wouldn't say panic, but definitely a sense of walking on eggshells over there. Interesting. J.D. saying that about the Mets locker room. Well, why do you say that, J.D.? Quote, I got on first base twice on Saturday, And I tried to talk to Pete, and Pete was very mumble-mouth and only said a few words. That's not Pete-like. Pete is very jubilant, a very joyful guy in the clubhouse and on the field. He's a great guy to play with. As a guy I played with for four years, just to have a 30-second conversation and have a sense that he wasn't himself. So it definitely takes a toll on you, especially when there's as much expectations for that team. Come on, J.D. Is it not possible that Pete Alonso is hitting 170 over the last month? Is it not possible that Pete Alonso has been in line drives right at people and is frustrating, frustrated? He was breaking his bat the other day. Like, you think now it's the pressure and the eggshells out? There? It's that he's slumping. He's a human. Uh, why did, did you, Jamie Davis have to draw these conclusions? Who the hell you, is he? Did you also see the quotes about him basically saying like he was in New York? His his time in New York was fun, and he finally started feeling like he was getting good opportunities. But then like he had three GMs and three managers in the span of three years. Yes, and things kind of started to get screwy. And basically, his this is funny, and this is this is interesting for the big picture of Buck Showalter. He kept on saying his final year with the Mets, he couldn't get comfortable. Every t- he every time he'd have a good game, like he did a home run, he'd sit another day or two. Like it just wouldn't make a difference. He would never get in a roll. And I yeah. feel that's very that that's very pr- that's that's Buck Showalter in a nutshell. So I agree with JD Davis in terms of the different hitting philosophies, the general managers he went through the managers he went through, the coaches he went through. And it goes back to something we had said last time about the firing of Bach and the stability that an organization needs. It is not healthy to go through coaches and managers and GMs the way the Mets have. That is not a defense for keeping people that are bad at their jobs, but we all have to at least admit that. We all have to agree that that's not good and that's got to stop. So I agree with J.D. Davis from that aspect. As far as playing time from a year ago, here's where I call BS on that. Now, yes, we've documented the Viento stuff. Last year, J.D. Davis was a platoon player. He was going to get a crack to face lefties. Dom was going to get a chance to face righties. And they both failed. 
They both failed. I never got the sense a year ago that J.D. Davis was getting hot and Buck Showalter was sitting him. The difference with Vientos as a young player is, A, it was his first shot. J.D. had been here for a couple of years. But also, we both agreed, I think most of us agreed, Vientos should just play every day. J.D. Davis wasn't playing every day, nor should he have played every day. Like, he was a platoon player. That's your job. Go face lefties and hit lefties, and he didn't, and he failed at it. So that aspect of his criticism, I I disagree with. But going through the coaches and the managers, and yeah, and and that's not good, and that can't be good, and that can't be healthy for a relatively young player. So that aspect of J.D. Davis, I agree with. The I couldn't get in a groove last year, shut up, you sucked, and putting Pete Alonzo on the the psychiatrist couch because he didn't have a conversation with you at first base. Shut up, J.D. Davis. The only thing I will defend him on is it's funny how once he went to San Francisco where there was he was getting regular at-bats, he started playing better. It's the only thing I will defend him on. Now, you're right. Shut up. You don't know Pete Alonzo anymore. You guys aren't teammates. Maybe he just doesn't want to talk to you. You're, you're uh, his opponent. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I mean, he doesn't want to – they're having a terrible – like, look at the records even. Like, the Mets are almost in last place in the league. Yeah. He's not talkative right now. He wants to win. By the way, one thing you mentioned too, you said there was like 35. How many people were there tonight? Uh, On Sunday night, we're recording it after that game. I would say there were about mid-20s, high-20s. wasn't a huge crowd. Yeah, like I would say yesterday was a was, on Saturday was a big crowd. Like yeah. it was it wasn't forty four thousand, but it was it was thirty five. Well, the, the Mets are going to draw better than people think because they've sold a lot of tickets, especially to these weekend games. Like the next time the Mets are home, they're playing the L.A. Dodgers. They're going to get forty thousand for all three games. So even though the season may be spiraling, the idea that there's going to be twelve thousand people in the building is not true. Sunday night was not ideal. There was rain in the forecast. It ended up raining a little bit late in the game. It rained before the game, that's for sure. And it was a Sunday night game, which while I may like, I know a lot of people don't like. Speaking of start times, and we'll do this on a different pod, I got a season ticket survey about start times, which I thought was really interesting. So we'll have that debate of the start times we all prefer, weeknight games, weekday games. But we'll do that another time. We got an all-star break. Plus, we may have a lot of meaningless games down the stretch. So. We'll have time to mix all that stuff in. Uh, To put a bow on Sunday's game, uh, Marte was back in the lineup. He was batting sixth. And while he didn't have a great offensive game, the little dunking blue pit behind in the count one and two, especially to a tough variety of submariner like Tyler Rogers, I thought was really impressive. So the hope is that little dump RBI single against a really tough reliever hopefully gets Marte going. What I would do right now if I'm Buck, though, I'll reinforce what I said last week. Tommy Pham just bat second. Keep Marte down in the order. And don't be in any rush to put him back in the two-hole. Just let him hit down in the order and hopefully get his stick going. That's it. That's what they got to do. Simple as that. I mean, Mark Hanna had a nice productive day at a home run. So he's going to try to get his at-bats back. And Pete Alonso hit a bomb of a two-run home run in the eighth inning, his 25th home run. Now, speaking of Pete, so when Pete first got hurt, in Atlanta, I said to Craig on the air, because the timeline a few days later was, hey, he may miss a month. And so I said on air, and I stand by this, 
if he's going to come back right around the All-Star break, it would be a bad idea to be in the home run derby. It'd be a bad look. When he came back when he did, I said on the air to Craig, I'm good to go now. He can be in the home run derby now because now it's he's back. He's playing like let's not overanalyze this. So I stand by that for any Met fan who says, come on, Pete, you've been in a slump. The Mets suck. Why do you have to be in another home run derby? I have no issue with it. Pete loves it. Some fans love it. Do I love the home run derby? Not the way I used to. Do I care that much if Pete wins? Not really. I'll probably watch it because my kids are into it. But I have no way. I just want to get that out of the way. I got no issue with Pete Alonso being in the home run derby. Do you have an issue with Pete being in the home run derby? I, I don't know if I have an issue with him being in the home run derby. I kind of have an issue that he came back so soon because I feel like he's still hurt. Well, that's diff, but that's different. Like the guy wants I, to help. The guy wants to play. Yeah, I know. But it's like if you're not healthy, if you're uh, – listen, uh, you, we're talking about defense too even where it's like that play the other day wasn't easy that he botched and he threw the ball away. Um, but I just feel like he's just not 100% right now. And I'd it's, rather, it's, Here's my counter to that. I'd rather have him at 80% despite his struggles because I think your options if Pete's not back – is Mark Canna playing first base. That That's really what you're looking at because that's what we saw when Pete was on the injured list. So, look, his slump dates back prior to his injury. So Pete was cooling off prior to that. Uh, I don't necessarily think, like, the bad throw he made has anything to do with his injury. Uh, he has hit into some very bad luck, so that's not having anything to do with the injury. He did hit the bomb of a two-run home run in his last at-bat Sunday. Hopefully that gets him going. So I think sometimes it's okay to have an athlete back at 70% because that's better than your options. And and I definitely think Pete's better at this percentage than any of the other options they have. But if you think he's hurt, then you wouldn't want him to be in the home run derby because it's an exhibition, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. That And that's... Because, again, I, I just don't want him to get even more hurt. I don't want him to go out there and try to hit home run after home run after home run, and he just put wear and tear on his wrist for no reason, versus speaking. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't think guys get hurt from the home run derby. I know there used to be that legend of guys go slumping after the home run derby and they stop hitting home runs like we saw with David Wright a decade and a half ago. There's no evidence of that with Pete. So he likes it. There's one of those things. He likes it. I thought it was really interesting. So apparently, Pete announced this on ESPN for everybody that was watching at home. You saw it. Carl Ravitch brought it up, and Pete announced, I'm going to be in the Home Run Derby. They aired that on the big screen at City Field an inning later. Like during one of the half innings, they just put that part of the interview up on the screen, and there was a reaction by the crowd. And the crowd had a rousing ovation to the news that Pete Alonso is going to be in the home run derby. So I I wouldn't have guessed that necessarily. I would have guessed a no reaction if I had to guess. Not that people would have booed. I think there will be some who say, what are you doing? He shouldn't do this. He's coming off an injury. He's slumping. The team sucks. Like, I, I do think, I'm not on the air for a few days, but I can see that being like a WFA in debate for a day or two. I, I can see it, Pete. 
It's you know what though? I bet you're gonna get more of oh here we go again with Pete Alonso in the home run derby. It's all about him. He takes this way too serious, you know. Well, he's gonna be focused more on the season. They people love the crap on him over this. Like why? He he gets into the home run derby. Okay. And that little video of him breathing heavily, preparing, it's kind of funny, but he likes it. I just think it doesn't bother me. I think it would bother me if he, you know, sucked after. And I thought it was related to it. And that hasn't been the case. You know, if he if he sucks after the home run derby, the easy excuse is, well, he was sucking before the home run derby. You know <laughs> what? He's been slumping for a month. You know, I, the, the way I look at it is this, because I always have this into this conversation with, with, with Brandon Tierney and Tiki Barber, with your new partner, by the way, uh, about the fact that Pete Alonso is not a star. Well, a way to be a star is in an event that is an exhibition and you can highlight your skill set. You enter it rather than, ah, I, I don't want to be in the home run derby, though people want you. So I think it's better for him anyway. I, so who well, cares if he likes it? Whatever. He is, you know, I mean, is he the best power hitter in Major League Baseball? He's definitely on that short list as the best pure slugger in baseball. I'm not saying he's better than Aaron Judge or better than Shohei Otani, but he is just purely as a slugger, one of the elite players in baseball. So to have that guy want to be in the slugging competition every year is a very good thing for Major League Baseball. No doubt about it. I mean, in an ideal world, when I sit there on that Monday night with my kids, I want all the best home run hitters to be in it, right? It's like the slam dunk contest. You, ideally, you'd want every every top NBA player to be in the slam dunk contest. We don't. We never have that. But yeah, for sheer entertainment, you would want that. I just don't have a problem with him being in it. And despite the Mets having a bad year and him slumping recently, it may be used against him. I'm just telling you. I got no problem with it. I'll tell you one thing I do have a problem with. I, I, I don't find it funny, number one. I don't think it matters as much as much as people think it matters. And that is this Bobby Bonilla day. Okay, we, we get it. The Mets made a deal. The Wilpons made a deal with Bobby Bowen, his second tenure, where they were going to pay him whatever that figure is, a million and a half every year for a million years. And so it's become this joke on July 1st of, oh, it's Bobby Bonilla Day. Even Steve Cohen's played into it. We should prance Bobby Bonilla around the stadium and do the whole thing. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It drives me nuts because it is so effing common in baseball to give out these deferred contracts. It's common. Now, I get Bobby Bonilla was not a great New York Met. We all know it. Whether it was the first go around, 
when he told the media, I'll show you the Bronx and you won't get this smile off my face. And he's calling up the press box to complain about official scoring decisions, whether it was his second tenure where he's playing freaking poker with Ricky Henderson during game six of the NLCS. Yeah, Bobby Bo's a joke. He's not a great man. But the deferred money thing is, come on, aren't we better than this? Aren't we so many guys? I I could bore you with it, and I'm not going to do it. I promise you I'm not going to do it, though maybe I will do it. I'm not going to sit here and read off all the deferred contracts in baseball. Would you want that? Even from guys who have been retired longer than Bobby Bonilla. I could do that, and I'm not going to do that. So can we just stop with this Bobby Bonilla Day crap? Can I, can I just read one at least? Just just one. Sure. Because while the Mets are currently paying Max Scherzer $43 million this year, the Washington Nationals are paying him $15 million. You know why that <laughs> one doesn't work as well, though? <laughs> He's still because playing. he won them a World Series. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, I wouldn't have used that. You're right, by the way, and it's a lot of money, but I wouldn't have used that example because if a guy wins me a World Series, I'll pay him whatever the hell he wants. Fine. I just, I think the joke is lame now. I thought for a while, yeah, okay, it's funny, Bobby Bonilla Day, but after a while, it's it's just, it's enough. I don't want to hear about it anymore. It's like the butt fumble. It's very similar. The butt fumble and Bobby Bonilla day. Enough, 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 enough. And thank God June is done. Speaking of enough, 7 and 19 in the month of June, which is just, I mean, <laughs> wait, so you said that this is not the worst month in, in history of, of the Mets? Like, I thought, I honestly, like, that was so bad. The games made it feel worse than what the record was, even though 7 19 is not good. Right. There's one that's worse than that. Oh, there's one that's worse than that. And, and I'd argue with you, it isn't even close that as bad as this month was, nothing will rival the June swoon of 2018 where the New York Mets finished with a record of 5-21 and 21 in the month of June. 5-21. and 21. Now, I know that these bad seasons sometimes crunch together and you forget about it. So let me walk everybody through how painful June of 2018 was. It was the very first year of Mickey Calloway. Mickey Calloway had taken over as manager after the failure of 2017. And we're going to do a podcast about 2017, by the way, because I believe I said this on the air with Joe years ago, and it'll be put up to the test now. I said to him, I said, Joe, 2017 is the most disappointing year I've ever had as a Met fan. That when you think about the expectations the team had to what ended up happening, it was worse than 93, worse than 92. Because if you remember, the Mets won the pennant in 15. The Mets won a playoff spot in 2016, despite being riddled by injuries. 2017 was the year of, okay, everybody's healthy. We're back. We're going to win the whole goddamn thing. And they sucked. But that's for another podcast. So they they failed in 2017, most disappointing year ever. They get rid of the manager. They bring in Mickey Calloway. I'm not telling you I thought the Mets would be great, but they started the year 11 and 1. 11 and 1. They swept the Washington Nationals on a three-game series in DC including winning this great Sunday night game in 12 innings the same night of WrestleMania 34. 
Like life was great as a Met fan. And then they started, you know, cooling off. And, and trust me, it started long before June 1st that they cooled off. They started the year 11 and 1. They fell to 500 on May 28th. So it did not take long to get to 500. They entered the month of June 27 and 27 and five games out. And then here's what happened. They lost all three games to the Cubs at City Field, 7-4, 7-1, and 2-0. They got swept by the Orioles at City Field, 2-1 and 1-0. They, they lost two out of three to the Yankees, in which they scored six runs in three games. They went to Atlanta and got outscored 10-2 in two games. They lost, uh, they split with the Diamondbacks. They actually didn't, they had a series that they didn't lose. So congratulations in the month of June. They then lost three out of four to the Rockies, got swept by the Dodgers, lost two out of three to the Pittsburgh Pirates before the month finally ended when they lost to the Miami Marlins. They were 16 games under 500 and 15 games out of first place. That was the month of June of 2018 it was the june swoon to end all swoons they sucked they were terrible and think about it we just sat through one of the worst months ever that month was worse by only two games actually when you're five and 21 versus seven and 19 i guess it was only a two but you said they were they, you said they were how many games under 500 they ended the month 16 games under 500 see we're in a good spot we we <laughs> I mean we were only 10 games under 500 it's, it's okay it's not as bad as 2018 if that's oh. the more if that's the, the 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 basically the moral of the story yeah it's not as bad as 2018 now just so you know they responded by going 12 and 12 in June 15 and 15 in August and then actually 18 and 10 in September they finished 77 and 85 so they actually played reasonably well in the second half of the year. but And this is going to be the, the issue we all battle with. That's not good enough. You know, winning two out of three against the Giants is nice. It's not good enough. They're about to go on a six-game road trip. They've got to win four out of six games at the minimum. You do that, you go into the All-Star break, six games under five hundred. Still not great. Still not in a good spot. But at least you're going to start trending in the right direction. They need a run, a big run, a 18 out of 20, a 20 out of 27, like that kind of run to really get back into this thing. And I think that's where 98% of us are very skeptical is going to happen. So I have a magic number, 52. It was 54, but now it's 52 because they won two games. Okay. They need 52 wins to get to, to 90, if I'm correct. That's you the think magic. 90 gets you in? That, that definitely gets you in. Because what? The Phillies made the playoffs with 87 last year. So yeah, I think 90 is a good number. It's funny. I It's tough to know. You know, we, we could sit here and look at the standings right now and say Miami, who got beat by Atlanta. I mean, think about it. And, and I enjoyed every second of it. As much as I hate the Braves, the, the NL East is over. Like, the Braves won it. The Mets are 18 and a half games out. So... I can't sit here rooting against Atlanta. You got to root for them to help you. And by beating the Marlins three straight games, they absolutely did. The Marlins are weird. They're 11 games above 500. They have a worse, listen to this, Pete. They have a worse run differential than the Mets. The Marlins, despite being 11 over, 
are minus 22. They have the worst offense in the National League. The Mets are minus 12. So you look at the Marlins with a very skeptical eye, plus the Mets play them a bunch of times, not as much as they would have under the old schedule, and you wonder, okay, are they going to survive? As well as they pitch, despite Alcantara having a terrible year, are the Marlins going to sit and remain 10 games above 500 or more? And there's definitely skepticism that that's not going to happen. What are the Phillies? What are they? They're five over right now. Are they going to go on a big second half run? I feel okay about the Central, that someone's going to win it, obviously. And will a second team be a big factor? Right now, only two teams are above 500 in the NL Central, Cincinnati and Milwaukee. Then you look at the West, and that's the real tough one because Arizona's had a great year. The Dodgers haven't, but they're nine games above 500. And then you got the Giants, where this two out of three was monstrous because that's a tiebreaker. Like that's a tie, and that could matter. There were no more tiebreaker games. So if the Mets and Giants ever finish tied with the same record for the third wild card spot, Mets and Giants out. Now the Mets don't have that tiebreaker against the Milwaukee Brewers. They're not going to have that after losing all the games they did to them. Uh, we'll see about Philadelphia. We'll see about Miami. We'll even see about San Diego, though they're eight games above under five hundred. And we'll certainly see about the Dodgers because that series coming up at City Field will determine it after um, the Mets won two out of three in L.A. They won two out of three in L.A. No, they split in L.A. That's what they did. It was a four-game series. No, they won two out of three in L.A. They split against the Giants. They swept Oakland. They won two out of three against L.A. But all of those tiebreakers are going to matter if the Mets are able to get themselves back into this wild card picture. So you look at all these teams, and then you say, all right, three wild card spots, will three of those teams be above 90? And I think you're probably right, Pete, that if you can get into that 88, 89, 90 range, that should be good enough. And you said, what do they have to do? They have to go 52 and 30? Is that what you said? I think think it's like 52 and 26, something like that. I don't know. (laughs) I'm not mad, dog. I I heard them the other day try to do this. I can't figure it out. But I know 52 is how many they need to win. Yeah. That to me is the magic number. And listen, I, I listen. I, I'm not going to compare the Mets to the Braves, but what the Braves were like 54 and 27 or something like that going into this weekend. So uh, it's not like it's, it's impossible to teams to have those records. You know, the, if they the Mets just have to do it in the second half. The the difference is obvious, though. The Atlanta Braves are really really good. I mean, the Atlanta Braves have basically proven they're the best team in the National League, and we talk about how bad of a month June was for the Mets. The Atlanta Braves just completed a month in which they went 21 and four. Think about that. They just finished a month in which they went 21 and four. That's what they did in June. And it's remarkable. And I was looking at, well, when did they lose? Cause that's such an absurd record to have in June. They lost a three to two game. They lost a 6-5 game in 10. They lost an 11-10 game to Cincinnati last week. So three of their four losses were by one run in crazy fat. They they could have had an undefeated month. (laughs) They're so much better than the Mets. I hate to say it. They just are. And right now, they're so much better than everybody in the National League. Now, the good news is, what the hell does that mean? Come October, it doesn't mean anything. They, they can finish with the best record in the National League. Great. They get that first round by. Good for them. 
They go play that divisional series against you name it, they could easily lose. That's that's the I guess the the negative of this whole thing. Yeah, the greatest regular season ever. It don't mean a damn thing. Well, I guess that's why I'm holding out hope that somehow the Mets really get hot at the right time. Because last year I saw them grind out a 101-win season. They fell flat the last week of the season, and they carried it into the playoffs. So if they could do the opposite this year, maybe they go for a nice little run to the World Series. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, whatever you say. This team wins one series and we're all like, oh, here's how we can get um, in. Clearly, I'm nuts. I saw my family today. I saw my wife today for the first time. She's like, I don't know. Uh, It's not terrible, but I think I like you more with hair. And then one of my other kids was just like, you're crazy. You're crazy. (laughs) Crazy, but you try anything. You try anything. This will be an interesting week against Arizona. The Diamondbacks have had a tremendous regular season, though the pitching matchups are not scary. They face Zach Davies in game one on Tuesday afternoon with Kodai Senga on the mound. They face Tommy Henry, a lefty who's pitched pretty well for Arizona, especially over his last few starts against Max Scherzer. And then they're going to face Ryan Nelson in the finale on Thursday night. Remember, they got an afternoon game on the 4th of July at like 4 o'clock. And then late night baseball on Wednesday and Thursday as the Mets try to win another series. Can they win another series? Ah. They probably won't, probably won't, but hey, at least we can enjoy this. The Mets win two out of three against the Giants. We appreciate you listening and downloading. You can obviously email the pod anytime, B at gmail.com, B at gmail.com. We'll give you another Rico Bronia for sure after this series wraps up with the Arizona Diamondbacks very, very late on Thursday night into Friday morning. I'm out on the fan till Wednesday, and I'll be doing a couple of shows with my old partner, Joe. Beningo. So you can tune in Wednesday, 2 o'clock. I'll talk to you then. Appreciate you listening and downloading Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. 